Now, this platform is a very popular platform. People from all over this nation want to come here to speak at chapel. There's hardly a day we don't have a letter from somebody recommending a speaker. Well, from time to time, we bring outstanding speakers here who have a special message. But this year, we are endeavoring more and more to use this chapel program as far as possible in building morale, morale. Now, usually, if a speaker comes from a distance, he drops in here with a special message without any knowledge of our situation, which is a good message and sometimes very helpful. But the average man, for instance, when I go off speaking of chapel program somewhere, I don't know the situation, the local conditions, and I give a message that's applicable to most any crowd. But we are trying harder this year to make this program what we need than we are, have ever done in the history of the school. And I think so far it's been most successful. I remember when I was gone, they told me about a song service you had here when Dr. Jones led you in these old hymns and what a wonderful time you had. Now that's a time of inspiration. That's a part of the program. You know, when Jesus was here and the disciples were with him, they didn't know half he said. In fact, they didn't seem to understand it, didn't dawn on him, on some of them. And after he went back to heaven, they kept saying, don't you remember what he said to us? Why, you remember that, don't you? He told us that. But they got the inspiration. Now, young people, inspirations is just as important as learning. You can be a cold, dead, technical scholar without any inspiration. And it's all right. You can have a book that's full of scholarship and a good many truths in a book. But this, the book doesn't have inspiration, doesn't have life. We want this institution to be an institution with real life in it. And so we have an occasional uh, song uh, service for inspiration. These old hymns are inspiring. You know, it's a shame how few of these hymns some of us know. I wish I could sing them, but I do know most of them. And the words are so inspiring and uh, so contrary to so much of the cheap stuff you're getting today in, in, in the field of music. Uh, so many of the cheap songs. It, it's a sort of a middle of the road between that very high classical music that's a little beyond most people and that little cheap stuff you get so many of these little cheap choruses. We appreciate the work Dr. Jones and Ms. Jones are doing here this year at Chapel cooperating us with us in this matter. Now, while I'm here, I'm very eager to bring you messages that probably may be a little different from type messages brought by other people. Everybody has his place. Do you know God has a place for you and he doesn't have anybody else? If you don't do the job that God's assigned you to do, it never will be done. You can't do somebody else's job. I can't do somebody else's job. I can't do Bob's work and Bob Jr. can't do mine, but I can do my work. Now, now that's wonderful how God has a place for us. Now, there are certain things I think I can do, and I'm trying to do what I think I can do here when I am at home to try to help you. Now, I want to read you two of the most remarkable verses in the Old Testament. I want you to know something, and it sounds just like current literature. It's back in Jeremiah. No, I told you about God's prophet that comes along and takes God's side of a controversy and says what God has to say. What this old world needs today, it doesn't need anything else on earth, is to listen to what God has to say. We've listened to everybody else until we're in a mess. We've listened to the modernists, we've listened to the educators, we've listened to the philosophers, we've listened to the scientists, and we've listened to everybody except God Almighty. And isn't that a strange, tragic condition? Now that happened all along down through the ages. It happened in the Old Testament. Now here's Jeremiah, that mighty preacher, that great prophet of God, 
They didn't only tell what was going to happen, but told what was happening. And told what God, how God felt about what was going on. Now notice what he says. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, boys and girls, men and women, when a preacher can stand up like that. And says, this is what God says, not what I say. You know, Jesus never said, I think this might be so. Or it's possible this could be true. Or I'm inclined to believe he never said that. Take the Sermon on the Mount, every word he said. He never said, I think. He was God in the flesh and spoke with authority. And when they heard him, they said, did you notice how he talked? He didn't talk like these other preachers in this country. You know, he talked like he knew what he was talking about. You know, uh, we need an authoritative message today. I wonder if Jesus Christ was going to be on this platform tomorrow to stand here and take the chapel program and just say, I've come down from heaven to visit a little while, tell you what God has to say about this age. I wonder how we listen. You know, we better listen. I'm telling you, time has come when he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the old prophet said, Thus saith the Lord. All right, go ahead. What does God say? Listen. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Uh, let not the rich man glory in his riches. Say, knowledge, power, money. Let not men glory in these things. Knowledge. Listen. Knowledge, he that knoweth the truth is free, but not he knows what's in books. You can know what all the preachers say about Jesus Christ. And all the theologians say about theology. And all the scientists say about science and still be a slave. There's no power in knowledge to free men. It takes a personality for a man. He that knoweth the truth, if you shall know the truth, hears the truth, and he's the only truth that frees me. Oh, you may get freed from ignorance. You may be freed from illiteracy. There's a certain kind of freedom that knowledge may produce, but not freedom for the soul. Listen. And yet today, we glory in knowledge, in wisdom, what the world calls wisdom. Glory. Why, just like they did back there. He fellow said, he's a Ph.D. from so-and-so. Glory. You know, he's the greatest living scientist. Glory in science. Now he said, that's not the glory of it. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. All the knowledge of all the men and all the scholars of all the world sinks into absolute insignificance in comparison to other things. You say, Bob Jones, you're not this. No, I'm not discounting knowledge. No virtue and ignorance. You ought to learn all you can learn. But you're not to learn just to be learning. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Scientists know nothing about God, many of them. Scholars know nothing about God. Graduates of theological seminaries, many of them know nothing about the Bible. Strictly nothing. I was talking to a man long, long ago, graduate theological seminary, and he knew all the theological positions. But when it came to the knowledge of the Word of God, I never saw a man. Listen, I've known old countrymen that knew the Bible, actually the Bible better than this man knew. You know, we teach them books about the Bible and teach them everything else except what God says. Now, if God says this, don't you glory in that. Now, knowledge. 
Don't be proud, just glory and say hallelujah. Praise God, I learned that. No glory in knowledge. That's the world. That's what the world's always done. That's where man started down his road of degradation in the Garden of Eden. Eat and know. Not trust and know, eat and know. Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the alphabet to spiritual things. I've told these students about how I went to school in the old days and sat down and teach said, that's A. I said, that's A. How do you know I don't know a thing except what you said? You said, say, I say, say. If that old maid had said that first letter was B, I'd have called it B. I took her word for it. She said, that's B. I said, that's B. And she said, that's C. I said, that's C. And I went home that night and knew my ABCs. And mother was proud of it. That's the only IQ test we had. And I was a country boy. If you learned the ABCs the first day at school, you had good sense. If you didn't, you were not. That's all. <laughs> And every mother's ambition was to have a child the first day learned the ABCs. Let's, let's, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning. Let's, I'm the beginning of all you need to know and the end of all you need to know. Let's, you don't know Jesus Christ, you're an ignorant. My mother said Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Old saints said he's the Son of God and saved men. The preacher preached he's the Son of God can save sinners. One day I got acquainted with him. When I got acquainted with him, I found out all they said was so about him. He could save sinners. Now listen just a minute. Listen, nothing about knowledge. I heard an old man. I never shall forget him when I was a boy over in Alabama. He just a young preacher holding a meeting made a profound impression on me. He was a great teacher. Fame over the state. Tremble at the knee and gray and feeble. He stood at one of my meetings. He said, Brother Bob, all my life I've been trying to know more. Rest of my life I'm going to try to love more. That testimony stayed me through the years. I wasn't worthy to touch the hem of that man's scholastic garments. Let not the worldly wise man, the prophet of God, says glory in these things. He didn't say you're not to have them. He didn't say you're not to know Greek. He didn't say you're not to know Hebrew. He didn't say you're not to know science. There's not one word in the Bible that puts a premium on ignorance. But it does denounce and condemn the tendency to strut knowledge for knowledge's sake. You're going to bring every thought of your mind in captivity of the Lord Jesus. Take the next second. Now he said, don't let the mighty man glory in power. Power. Power of money. Power of a labor organization. We can deliver a million votes. We've got the power. Glory for power. Don't glory. Oh, how the world underscores it. God says, don't you glory in those things. God Almighty says one can chase a thousand, two put ten thousand to flight. God comes along and says, I choose the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. I bring into existence that which was not in existence. We need in this day to fix again our eye on God. Glory in numbers. 
We have a great denomination. So many million members. Read this morning where the Federal Council of Churches represents so many millions of people. <laughs> Dr. R.A. Torrey told me that not 10% of the Protestants of the world that he'd ever met around the world on his preaching to he believed was saved. What's all this rule counting doing? Listen, listen. What does it mean for the average church member in America to have his name on a church roll? What does it mean? Some of them it means a cocktail party on Saturday night. Divorce next week. A lot of Just glory and influence and numbers and the size of the machine and the bigness of the business. Well, let me tell you something. If Bob Jones University had 100,000 students and wasn't right with God, I'd be ashamed of it. I'd rather have a little log house stuck out on this campus. Two or three teachers sitting up there praying with their pupils and teaching them. And have God Almighty to have the high place in the institution. Have a million students here. Great numbers. Jeremiah said, God said it. Let not the mighty man glory in his power and might. Now he said nothing. He said, don't let him glory in something else. Don't let the rich man glory in his money. Yeah, I've got plenty of money. We've got the money to pay the bills. We're fixed up. We're rich, you know. You know. <laughs> We're well fixed, you Oh, yes, he has a fine home and plenty of money, glory in his wealth. God says, watch out. Watch out. Do you glory in those things? That preacher gets a salary of $10,000 a year. How many people does he win to Jesus Christ in a year? What kind of prayer meet does he? You know how to call mourners and get them saved? God Almighty puts more value on a little old mission stuck down here on the street somewhere. With a half a dozen sinners there kneeling in the front coming to God that he puts on a cathedral if there's no evangelistic message and no saving power in the cathedral. God Almighty, I, I sat out last night and talked to Mr. Wade about this great, wonderful star shining in the sky, Jupiter. I never saw the star as bright as my life was last night. I thought of God Almighty shooting light from the sun on back there and then Jupiter shooting it back to me. Sitting on the punt. Millions of miles away. Talk about poor little man strutting his stuff around down here in this world. Sticking out his little chest. Throwing back his little empty head thinking he's somebody. Think about God Almighty letting the sky blossom with stars. And all the stars up there just dew drops out in front of his house on the lawn. He struck down here, see. Has a few flowers out in the garden. Said, aren't they beautiful? I look at my little flowers there. Nice, pretty, beautiful. <laughs> Bloom today, whether to die tomorrow. Money can buy so much, you know. One of the curses of our Christian schools is they thought all they need was money. Back in the old days when I went to college, we had no money. 
now, little old school, I told you the day, my president of that school, that man of God, that scholarly Christian gentleman, got $1,200 a year. Of course, money in those days had some value. I'm not discounting salaries, don't misunderstand. That's little one building over there. Had an old dormitory, stayed in there. Got along best we could, we were awfully crowded. Listen. Bob Jones University is no better off spiritually, except I think we've grown in our grasp of truth, than uh, we were the first year we opened. First year we opened a little handful, first night we had enough power in that school to get half the student body converted, came there unsaved. I think it was 42 the first night. I call that power. This God Almighty would look down on a school with 80 students in it and half of them at the morning's bench crying out for God and then later called to preach. God Almighty sees more value there than he would see in the greatest university on earth without a mourner's mention. I wrote a certain denominational leader this morning in another state that's tried to smear Bob Jones University with certain things he's put out. Make an appeal to, with a smear on this school, an appeal uh, to his own people to support his own school. Uh, ye, Bob Jones University is brick and mortar. Listen, listen. Don't get the idea that Bob Jones University is this auditorium here. Don't get that. We thank God for it. But this university is not a pipe organ. This university is not dormitories. It's not university. This university is a mourner's bench. Where scientists pray before they go to the laboratory. This university is an institution with the name of Jesus written around on the buildings. This university, listen, it ceases to be Christian when Jesus Christ isn't preeminent. Glory said in all this bit. We've got so much endowment, somebody says. That won't do anything. Don't glory in that glory in what kind of students you have. Are they out after souls? Are they calling men and women to come to God? When they preach, do they get converts? Do they stand up and preach to empty pews with their official members at cocktail parties? What are they doing for God? Oh, how they glory. And they think, you know, if we just get money. You know that old school I went to isn't half as good as what I was at. Had a revival twice a year. Old president get down on his knees and put his arms around. Boy said, John, I knew your old daddy preached up here in the country. I want you to get right with God. And don't you ever think we didn't have any scholarship there either. Maybe we didn't elect Greek, they elected it for us. We were already elected and went by they elected Latin. They elected mathematics, and we didn't skim over anything either. And I resent the insinuation they had no scholarship. It didn't take with me very much, but uh, that was because I had the immunity against it. <laughs> but they had that. It did take with some of them. We've got an idea when we have the mechanics of the thing that we've got the thing itself. Whenever you get so busy to stop and have a little prayer in a school, a little busy to sing a good old song and stop and call mourners on service on Sunday morning or any other time, you're glorying in things of the world. 
You know, the way to compete with a school like this is to set up a mourner's bench. Call sinners to repentance and close up your smoking room. Tell the girls throw the cigarettes away. Cut out your dances. That's the way to compete with it. That's, that's, the folks that are in the spiritual business in this country, they are for an institution like this. Now he goes on down and he said, don't you glory in all these things. God said it. I didn't say it. Old Jeremiah said God said it. He said the things the world glories in. I don't want my people glorying in. Didn't say not have them. Didn't say not have money. Didn't say not have a library. Didn't say not have knowledge. Did not say not have scholarship. But he said, don't let that the big thing. All right, Jeremiah, what else did he say? Now this verse. Let him that glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Rejoice that you know that Jesus was the Son of God. Died on the cross for sinners. Rose from the dead. If you want to say hallelujah, don't glory in winning a football game. Makes me sick and tired. Get out here in some of these football fields and scream and yell and hoop and holler and act like lunatics. Go crazy. I saw a faculty member fall off of a bench one time, almost broke his neck. Yelling for a game. From what I heard about a theologist, pit his neck hadn't broke. Breaking his neck. And that faculty member would walk around saying, you know, I don't like these religious fanatics. He likes football fanatics. He said, you know, this shouting at meeting gets on my nerves. He likes shouting at football games. I've never seen a religious fanatical group, and I'm not putting any freedom on shouting. I think some of us sort of worked up myself. But I've never seen a bunch of religious fanatics in my life as crazy and fanatical as they are to some football games. And so I don't like them to kick these fanatic religious fanatics around when they are more crazy than the religious fanatics. Because these religious fanatics are trying to shout about something that God told them to rejoice in. You know, we get so highbrow, you know. You know, you know we, uh, we are so scholarly. These poor ignoramuses. But all right, ask God what he says about it. He said, let them rejoice and glory in the fact they understand me, know me. They don't know I, just know I exist, they know me. And they understand me. All right, God, I think I've got a little understanding. You hate sin. Sure, I'm glad to hear that because I want to live right. I don't want you against me. Yeah, you love me. Sure is nice to know you love a poor, frail, blundering, weak fellow like me. That's nice to know that. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, I understand you sent Jesus to die for me. Yeah. I understand that you said give him the preeminent place. I understand that. You said he's have preeminence in everything. Laboratory, social life, political life, dining rooms, chapels, university campuses. He's had preeminence. That's what you said. I understand that. Help me live up to it. 
I want to rejoice in that. I want to glory in that. That's what you said God said, Jeremiah. Now let me take another step or two. Now listen. Let him that glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am Lord, which exercises what? Loving kindness. I'm a kindly disposed God. But that's not all this to me. Judgment. I execute judgment. And righteousness in the earth. I am the God that won't let wicked men get away with wickedness. Thank you, God. I'm glad you I'm glad you're a God that won't let nations get away with wrongdoing. I'd hate to have any kind of a God except that kind of a God. You're the sort of God I like. You won't put up with any foolishness. Of course you love everybody and you know everybody's frame. You remember that we are dust and weak and all that. But I'm sure glad you wouldn't let Hitler get away with his devil. I'm glad you settled with Mussolini too. And I'm glad you settled with Judas Iscariot. And I'm glad you dealt with Napoleon Bonaparte and Alexander the Great. And I'm glad that you're a God that looks to Russia with Joe Stalin and all the communism. And Lord God, I'm glad that you're a God that won't let Washington get away with crooked politics. I'm glad that you're a holy God that nobody can say anything against. And if you get it, let them get away with what they can talk against you. And I don't want anybody to say anything against you. My God, you're my God. I've been trying to preach about you. You know, I, I, I'm glad. Listen, folks, I wouldn't serve a God of damn people. I wouldn't serve a God wouldn't damn. God Almighty let wicked sin and condone iniquity in. Let people live as they please. I don't want that kind of God. He's no good. He's an anemic God. Said glory in these things. Listen, you Israelites, you folks, you chosen people of God, he said. You glory in a God, that, a God of righteousness, and yet a God of loving kindness. He's a wonderful God. He took little babies in his arms. They stretched out their little arms to get to him. Somebody said, they're bothering you. Don't let the children bother them. He said, they're not bothering me. Let them all come over. Bring them on. Yeah, that's loving kindness, tender, compassionate, wonderful Christ. Then what about it? Yonder he is up yonder, driving them out of the temple. Loving the babies and driving out the crooks. That's a God I like. Loving that which is innocent and good and pure and holy and frowning upon iniquity. That's glory in God. Listen, Christians. I thank God for the student body in this school all over the country. I thank God that you've come from the ends of the earth here. I'm proud of our work. Glad for our music, speech, language, science. Everything we're doing around here, we're doing a good job of education. We ought to. If you're a Christian, you'll be the best student you can be. This is a Christian school to have the best high standards possible to have. Nothing shoddy about Christianity. There isn't one legitimate thing that you couldn't do better if you know Jesus Christ. You can be a better cook, be a better housekeeper, better sweetheart, a better wife, better mother, 
Better father, better son, better daughter. There isn't a plowman that couldn't plow better as a Christian. There isn't a singer that couldn't sing a sweeter note if her vocal cords are touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's all right. Nobody believes in dirty campuses. Balls scratched up. Not for Christians, it's a slam on God Almighty to let his property be dilapidated. To disgrace the way the average campus is kept. We want everything nice. Because this is God's school. Don't want trash thrown around on the ground. Want to eat like decent people. In the dining room. Recognizing God when we sit down at the table. Want a Christian dignity here in the scholastic, uh, high, high scholastic sense. All that, all that. But you know. I wouldn't want to turn out the greatest English scholar in the world. That English scholar spit in the face of Jesus Christ. This is a Christian school. I don't want to send you out here. Nobody does. Unless you're right. Listen, I'd rather have you preacher boys, the kind of boys, that go out on weekends and win souls to Jesus Christ than to have you in the biggest churches and cathedrals in America. And if you are the type boy that goes out sincerely, tries to win souls to Jesus Christ on Saturday, Sunday, you'll do the right kind of work on Monday. Nobody gets around here with any shamming humbuggery business. This, the best soul winner in this school, everything else being equal, mentality, everything else, personality, everything else being equal, the best soul winner will be the best scholar. Certainly, nobody discounts any of that. But that's not the thing we glory in. We glory in scholarship laid down the feet of Jesus Christ. We glory in a song that's sung for his glory. Not a song that's sung to display a voice. That's the kind of glory we want. When people come by here and see these buildings, want them to say, that's a Christian school, you know. They talk Jesus Christ around there and try to win people to Jesus. Let the others say what they please about it. Jeremiah said that's what God wanted. We want what God wants. We don't want what some other folks want. We want what God wants. If I can have the kind of school that God wants, I'm satisfied. It'll be all right. We'll have good scholastic standards. Everything will be all right. We'll have discipline too. And you won't have folks necking all over the campus. But God Almighty is against it. And you won't have folks strutting around you smoking cigarettes. Don't tell me that God Almighty wants the faculty and a bunch of them sitting around smoking cigarettes and putting nicotine in the blood and such as that and then saying, we're a Christian school. You can smoke in the smoking room, hide out and No, we're Christian school, we'll be different. We want a glory in the Lord. Have what he wants. Help us have that kind of school. Keep it that way until Jesus Christ comes again. No surrender, no compromise. God help us. Tomorrow I'm going to go right along with this. And then on Thursday and Friday, I've got two other messages for you. Three more, one tomorrow and then Thursday and Friday. Lord God, this school was dedicated to you in our mind and heart the day we decide to build it. We've tried to remind ourselves over and over it's yours. We want to be the kind of school, you know, God, that you can always use.
I want to be the kind of school that heaven will applaud. The Holy Spirit can brood over and protect. Help us to keep it faithful to God, true in every particular. And the glory and the blessing and presence and power of God. And then the scholarship, our Father, will take care of itself and everything else will be decent around it. It won't be shoddy, run down the heel if, if, we, if we're right with God because we'll dress up for him the best we can. Won't go around here slovenly and run down scholastically if, if Jesus Christ, if this is his school, because he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Keep us faithful to him for Jesus' sake. Amen.